0: Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 2, helping pilgrims get ready for their first pilgrimage walk on the Camino, with your host, Camino Guide and longtime pilgrim Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hello again from Pamplona, Spain, on the Frances route of the Camino de Santiago. This is Nancy coming to you again from my happiest of happy places, where I seem to be stuck in the best way possible. Pamplona, as you may know, is the first city pilgrims come to in Spain when starting their pilgrimages in Saint Jean Pied du Port, France, and this stretch. From St. Jean to Pamplona is my home sweet home. It has been a fun 10 days on this stretch of the trail as I have had the chance to meet some of my listeners as they passed through or paused to enjoy Pamplona. So let me give a shout out to pilgrims Faye and Charlie, who I met in Roncesvalles, and Cindy, Renee, and Rob, and sisters Teresa and Patricia who I got to take on a Pincho's Crawl in Pamplona. I've also been texting with Jana from Season 2, Episode 16, who is currently walking the Portuguese route, and listener Mimi, who I last heard from when she was in Tria Castela. Kathy from Michigan, who has been a guest twice, will be starting the Camino del Norte next week. And I am very happy to have had the chance to meet Andrea and Jason from Season 2, Episodes 8 and 9, and follow them from saint jean Pied de port to Pamplona. Now, I had a rental car, but they were walking. What a great couple, and you are going to get to hear from them in Season 3, as I will be talking with them after they return home from their pilgrimage. So many wonderful pilgrims on the trail. Seriously, there are so many pilgrims on the Camino Frances right now. It has been a steady stream since the week before Easter. At some times, and in some places, the infrastructure has been overwhelmed. Too many pilgrims, not enough beds or rooms. But it is important to note that that is not always the case, and not always at all points along the way. I am seeing a whole lot of people having a wonderful time following their Camino dreams. And I am also meeting and hearing about some unhappy, disappointed people with a fair amount of complaints about the Camino and their experiences. Another way to say it is that for some people, the Camino is exceeding their expectations. And for others, all they are finding our unmet expectations. So, I'm going to circle back to one of my top tips from season 1 of this podcast, and that is to get to know your expectations. Actually, I think I've shared this one a couple times. Here is where I want to take it this time around. I would like to invite you to consider that no matter how much you have read or heard about the Camino, no matter how many YouTube videos you've watched, until you get to the Camino and walk it, you really have no idea what this is. I feel confident saying that because last year when I was on the Camino, when I was walking, after walking it for 17 years, I came to understand that still, I have no idea what this is. The Camino is a pilgrimage route, yes, or more accurately, a series of pilgrimage routes. You sleep in albergues or hotels, buy food at shops and bars, walk for hours every day, and eventually end up in Santiago de Compostela. But those logistical facts don't go very far in explaining how walking the Camino can and does impact pilgrims' lives. They don't capture the essence of the experience. There is only one way to do that, to travel to your starting point and walk the trail. Then and only then will you know what the Camino is, and then you will know only what it is for you. When will you walk the Camino? What will it be for you? I would love to help you discover that and have you share your pre-Camino story on this podcast. I'm currently signing up guests for season three, which will begin in July. If you have not yet walked a Camino and are in any phase of planning, anywhere from it's just a dream to you are leaving home in a few weeks, I would love to talk with you. To let me know you're interested, please find the link in the show notes, or you can email me at youonthecamino at gmail.com. Okay, a couple more things before we get to this episode's guest. If you are still dreaming of a September to October walk on the Camino Frances for this year, and you would like to talk about how to make that happen, I still have room in my September 9th Camino Frances group registration closes on June 9th. So now is the time to connect. There's a link in the notes for you to make it easy. I've also mentioned that I will be wrapping up season two of the podcast and taking a break before season three. That's going to happen in another week or two. I want to be sure you know when season three launches, So if you haven't already, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast app or player you use. And while you're at it, please feel free to give it a five star rating and share it with your friends who are also dreaming of walking the Camino. Those two small things will help get the word out about this podcast and about how the Camino can change your life for the better. Let's get those Camino dreams coming true. Last thing, if you have already walked the Camino and have some of your own top tips to share with first-time pilgrims, I would love to hear from you. I would like to, right now, just give a big thanks to listener Matthew for being the first pilgrim to send me some tips. I met Matthew on the Camino Frances in 2014 and just found out he's been tuning into the podcast. Hey, Matthew, thanks for listening. And thanks for those tips about how to make your first day on the trail a little less stressful. I will share the details of Matthew's tips with you in season three. To send in your top tips, look for the link in the show notes. Okay, now let's find out what's in store with today's guest. I have a guest with me today, so let me get right to it and introduce my friend Chad. I just met Chad at the American Pilgrims Annual Gathering in Lake Tahoe, and he has agreed to talk with us about his experiences getting ready to walk the Camino. Hey, Chad, thanks for being here.
1: Hi, Nancy. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's just such a treat, and I just got such a giggle when we were at the gathering, and you heard my voice, and I think you recognized my voice from the podcast.
1: That's right. I walked out of the lodge where I just registered, and I this was my first time at that gathering, and I didn't know anyone. And I walked outside, and I went, "I know that voice."
0: (laughs) That was just such a delight for me. Now I should say, so the listeners know that I knew you were going to be there, and I would have a chance to meet you. But it was really fun for me, the way that happened, to have my voice be what you recognize.
1: Yeah, that was fun.
0: So Chad reached out a while ago with some question or something. I think you're on my email list. And I loved your story. And so I asked Chad if he'd be a guest. And he said, yes, I'm really delighted that you'll get to hear Chad's story about his Camino experience. And we have to start where we always start, which is to put the pin in the map. So... Chad, would you share with us what route you're going to be walking, when you'll be walking, and how long you expect to be on the
1: Camino? I am very excited to walk out of St. Jean-Pied-de-Port on June 1st of this year. So it's coming up quickly and I plan to take 45 days to do it and I will be walking all the way to Finisterre.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, what made you choose this route? See, we've got a backstory here that that I want to talk about.
1: I do have a little bit of a backstory. So last year, I did the Portuguese Camino with my wife and two adult daughters. And along the way, I started feeling that maybe I I could gain and benefit by doing a solo pilgrimage myself. And by the time we, we actually ended our walk in Santiago we did take a bus tour to Finisterre. Um, I don't think we had the emotional capacity to walk any further once we arrived. But when I was at Finisterre and saw the lighthouse there and saw the mile marker, I just knew in my heart that this next summer I had to walk back myself.
0: Can you say more about that? What did you know in your heart?
1: You know what? It was just a knowing. In fact, the the picture that I had my daughter take of me at the at the zero marker there, I said, this is my goal. This is what I will be walking to. And I changed all of my profile pictures to that. It's on my phone. And so every time I look at that, it was like, okay, this is where you're heading. It gave me direction for this next year.
0: I want to know more.
1: <laughs> you know, I've read some about, about finished air and ending at the end of the world. I think it's significant that it was called that the end of the world. There, there is a verse about people taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that to me was, oh my gosh, this was a pilgrimage to go to the place where St. James was buried. And he literally in his day did what he could in the known world to take the gospel to the ends of the, the ends of the earth. And that was inspiring to me. Mm. And the other thing that I found significant, and I don't remember whose book that I read that in or podcast that I heard it in, the idea of going to watch the sunset at the end of the journey there at the ends of the earth and watch that sun go down to the ocean and have that be the ending of a life. And then being there for sunrise the next morning as the sun comes up of this life of resurrection moving forward. And I just knew that was what I wanted to experience. Now I don't know if the weather's going to cooperate. <laughs> you know there's things I'm not in control of, but I did learn that there's actually a little hotel in that lighthouse and uh, with six beds. And so at the very first of the year when those beds became available, um, I secured a lodging for the day that I end my journey. and that's my intention is is ending on that day and having that experience.
0: That is amazing. I can picture you there. I haven't stayed there, but I've walked to the end and I've been to that mile marker, been to the lighthouse, and witnessed uh, German man burning things at the end, which is okay. also one of the traditions. Yeah. So apparently, some of these traditions are more modern than You're right. we would like to think. But one of the traditions or the, the tale that people tell is that medieval pilgrims would walk to the end of the world. And they would be in such a state that their clothes could not go home with them. And so they would burn their clothes and then dive into the water to cleanse. And then as the sun was setting and then turn around and go home. Now, there are a couple of problems with that story. One is burning things. You know, I'm a a California girl and we've had a tremendous amount of trouble with fires. So the locals, I want to go on record as saying the locals ask that you don't burn things at Finisterre. Okay. I just have to say that.
1: That's good. And I am not planning on burning <laughs> anything there. I will say that the last time we were there, we took my wife's shoes and um, tied the strings together and put them up on the pole that is there, up um, okay. high in the air, because those shoes could not walk another step. They were, <laughs> were duct taped together and they were finished. So that is where they were left as a uh, as a remembrance of of her journey.
0: Oh, my goodness. The The irony, too, is that modern clothes don't actually burn. Those synthetic fabrics <laughs> That's melt. That's true.
1: <laughs> so, that is
0: true. <laughs> okay. I have to back up because you just said a whole bunch of things that I want to look at. So, okay. So I noticed some references, some Christian references in what you said. So you referenced the gospel and you referenced uh, resurrection. Will you Talk about why those words are coming up into this discussion
1: for you. Well, I come from a, a Christian background, and that's been that's certainly been a part of my life and my journey. Um, a lot of that inside of the institutional church, and some on the outside of that as well. But a lot of what I do is certainly uh, driven by my faith.
0: Mm, wonderful. So we also have to talk about. I want more on that, though.
1: What would you like to know?
0: Oh gosh, let's see. I might come back to that. I got a question kind of hanging out there. Okay. You use some really beautiful imagery of the sunset and the sunrise and the the end of something and the Mm. beginning of something new. Do you have any sense of what that will be for you?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, we we did read that. Your Camino starts once you have finished it. And so that imagery then of that death and resurrection of this journey, but there being something new, that is something that I just found that my soul leapt at. Mm. And I wanted to have that. I'm not sure what is all going to come up for me on this solo walk, but I believe it's going to be meaningful. And I'm walking with intention. And I think there's going to be things that I'll be leaving behind emotionally, spiritually in my soul. I think there's going to be new intentions that I will have moving forward into the next stages and steps of my life. And so that's part of the mystery that's to be discovered on the Camino. But I think that's part of what the Camino provides. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's interesting because what I'm hearing is there's nothing specific. It's not like you're entering retirement and this is a transition time or you've been wanting to make a big career change and this is going to be the jumping off point for that, or all the kids are out of the nest and now, you know, you're looking to spread your wings. Right. I don't hear any of that, but what I hear is a welcoming and an embrace of the mystery and what the road has in store for you. Does that sound about right?
1: Yes, that's, that's very true. I don't have this one specific thing that I'm looking for, or I don't have this one Mm. thing that happened in my life that has driven me to go do this. But I think in walking the Portuguese with with my family and meeting other pilgrims along the way, especially some of the solo travelers, I watched some of their processing. Mm. And I, I realized I wasn't walking that same way. I think on that first trip, my wife had wanted to do the Camino for a long time, probably over 20 years. And it wasn't till we got to watch The Way together, the movie, that it gave me eyes on exactly what this was that Jamie wanted to do. Okay. And so my intentions for this first trip together was just to support her. Mm-hmm. I did this because I didn't want her going by herself. And I wanted to make sure she got everything she wanted out of it. And it so worked because of COVID that both of our daughters were in the place where they could join us. They wouldn't have if we'd have gone the year that we had intended to go. But since it was a year later, um, I had one daughter who's a traveling nurse, and she just finished a year-long stint in Saudi Arabia. And my other daughter just finished six years in serving in the U.S. military. And so both of them had the opportunity and the desire to join us and to go with us. It was absolutely fantastic in terms of the trip that Jamie needed. Mm -hmm. And what my daughters needed and what we needed together as a bonding time. That part was just absolutely fantastic. And I also found myself in the role of being the husband and the dad that was taking care of the family. And I had those things kind of at the forefront of why I was walking. And I watched other people that didn't have those attachments. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they were. They were pressing into things more internally than what I was. And I was jealous of that.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I realized that was something that I could benefit from. And when I shared that with my wife and daughters, they all said, yeah, dad, you know, honey, you should go back and we support you in that and, and you should start planning it. So that's kind of what's driven me to, to go do this.
0: I love that. And I, I love that it started with supporting your wife. Mm -hmm. and then folding in your two daughters so that it became a family experience. That's a beautiful experience to have on the Camino. What would you say were the gifts that your family received from doing the Camino together?
1: Well, they were probably all different. I think for my wife, she had a support team around her Mm. and it allowed her to really be free to walk every day and to feel everything that she was feeling without having to make any decisions at all. I mean, where we were staying, where we were stopping, how far we were going, all of those things, the other three of us, we were doing all of that. All Jamie did was just walk and process.
0: I wish people could see your face right now and the <laughs> smile on your face to to be as a husband and father providing that for your family and for your wife. I can see what that meant to you.
1: Yeah. I think that's what she needed. In fact, when we decided it was, it was our hairdresser that had walked the Camino, she had done the Norte Mm -hmm. and this was probably five or six years ago that she had done that. So we've always had conversations with, with Leah when we're getting our hair done. And one day she mentioned to Jamie, she said, you know, when I was finished with my Camino, I went to Portugal and I just loved the people there. Maybe you should go do the Portuguese. And it just settled right in my wife's part. And so she came home and mentioned that to me. And I did a little bit of research. And I said, well, we could do two weeks out of Porto. And you know, if we put in extra days, we could probably make that a three-week journey. And she just looked at me and she said, Chad, I've been wanting to do this for 20 years. That's not long enough. And I said, Okay. I said, we could start at Lisbon, then we can plan for five weeks and we're going to have some long days. And she goes, That's what my heart needs. And so that's what we did. Wow.
0: Okay. That is beautiful. What a gift to your family, to Jamie, to you, to be able to hold that space for her must have been an extraordinary Mm -hmm. experience.
1: It was. It it bonded us in a way that started before we ever left. We used to do what we call couch time. You know, when we both get home from work, we'd sit down on the couch the the story was, and I don't remember what parenting book it was, but that your children feel more secure when they see their parents getting together. And so there was this intention of having couch time where they come in and see mom and dad just interacting together on the couch. And we realize, you know, now all of our kids are adults and raised, but we're still wanting that couch time. But now the couch time is actually out walking together. Which is probably even healthier. And that's where we process together. And so getting ready for this, for this, you know, journey together, we probably walked every night for six months. And wow. so that was a tremendous thing. And then of course getting to do the Camino together, it was epic.
0: I love this story. Hmm. I love it. And I love couch time. You know, the funny thing is, my uh how would I say this? I always know when I've been out in the world too long, when I've been traveling too long, when what I'm longing for is couch time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's my measure. And, and my heart, I, don't, I can't explain it, but my heart just opens up when I'm sitting on a comfortable couch.
1: <laughs> that's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just my thing. <laughs> comfortable couch. That's, that's just beautiful. So what I love about this chat is that, you know, a lot of people, I, I bet a lot of listeners are wondering, should I go by myself yeah. or should I go with other people and who should I go with?
1: Yes.
0: And what you're giving us is the argument for both ways.
1: Yes. Yes. I was going to, I, I was going to say, and the answer to that is Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. And not only are you giving us the argument for both ways, but you're showing us the gold in both mm-hmm. of these approaches and what's possible for both of these approaches And I think that what I what I'm picking out of this is that you and Jamie and your family are making conscious decisions about what you need now what's your heart calling for what's your soul calling for what's your spirituality calling for. yes, And those conscious decisions and asking ourselves questions about that will get us to the Camino experience that's right for us. Yes. Yeah.
1: One thing I definitely saw on the Camino is that my, my girls, they didn't necessarily need me there. All of them could have done this by themselves. Having walked the Camino, I would trust them to go do it. They don't need this, their dad figure, their husband to walk alongside them to make sure they're okay. All of them are capable of doing that themselves. So that was easy to let go of that and realize this is a safe place for people to travel Mm. and to let that go for myself. So if any of them, in fact, my, my oldest daughter, Kona, she's thinking about possibly going and doing the Norte later this year after a travel stint. Um, I'm not sure if her schedule is going to allow for that. But then the rest of us are planning maybe next summer to go back and do the Norte together because we want that e- experience together again. So if we can get the time off, we'll be intentional and we'll start planning that once I once I get back. But it's true. Both of those ways are so valuable. And I recently made a a new friend here in the Boise area. His name is Steve Walter. And he'd written a book on the Camino and I found out that he lived locally and he and I started walking together and Steve told me that he's had people ask him and say, Hey, can I go with you? And he goes, no, (laughs) you know, he's just intentional about it. The only person he's taken to go do one of his Caminos with is his daughter when she graduated from high school. So I love that intention too, of knowing that there's, there's benefits of, of that. There's, there's one more aspect of that, that um, in terms of the Frances that I'd like to share. Yeah. I was reading a book and I, I wish I remembered the author's name, but he was starting out of St. John and he had some things going on in his life that he really needed time to process. But that first night in the albergue that he was staying at, he met a couple of guys and they started walking together and they formed this fast friendship. And yet early on in their discussions, as they're walking together, they all realized that once they hit the meseta, they needed to separate because they knew that they needed that time alone to process. And boy, when I read that, my heart just leapt and went, that's why you're going this way. That's them, the Meseta is the stretch that it's going to be me and God, and I wanna be listening and I wanna be by myself to process that and just have the rhythms of the Camino, you know, minister to me and bring up whatever it's going to bring up. But I'm also being intentional that I'm wanting to stay at places that have community meals and community gatherings, because I know that even though I'm walking this solo, I want to develop community and I need that time to process with others. And so I look to do that in the evenings once I stop hiking.
0: Fantastic. So I just want to clarify for people who might not know when Chad's referring to the meseta on the Camino Frances, what people are usually referring to is the stretch from Burgos to Leon, and it's about 180 kilometers. Now, officially, the meseta goes a little bit farther than Leon, maybe a little bit before Burgos. And those big cities bookend the meseta. So there is there is a very clear opportunity to get on a bus or a train and skip it and hop from Burgos to Leon. And many pilgrims do that when they're short on time. But pilgrims who have walked the Meseta especially those who are on a spiritual journey and know they're on a spiritual journey, would not miss it for anything because it is, as you described, it's it's you going within. Yeah. And you can't miss it. I just don't think you can miss it.
1: I'm excited for that time for sure.
0: Yeah. Very good. And then the other thing, I love that you are intentionally seeking out the community meals because this is something that I really took away from the gathering that we were at Mm. this weekend. So in case this episode is aired down the road, it was the weekend of April 13th through 16th that Chad and I were with 234 other pilgrims at Lake Tahoe. And what I took away from that gathering so clearly, so strongly, was the importance of story the importance of people telling their story and having their stories witnessed. Yes. So critical. And that's what happens at those community meals along the Camino is people have a chance to tell their story and also celebrate their victory of having just walked whatever distance or the other side, sharing the hardship of what they just went through. So for example, they're, are a number of people posting on Facebook who are, who have just crossed the Pyrenees. The weather in the Pyrenees is quite moody, can be quite moody. And there have been people who have walked over in 25 degree Celsius, 75 degrees Fahrenheit. And there are others who have walked over in sleet and snow and rain and you just don't know, but when you get over that mountain, whether it's a physical, literal mountain, or it's just a hard day on the trail, to have that community of pilgrims to know what you just went through and to share that with you over a meal is extraordinary.
1: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. So let's do this. I'd like you to imagine You are in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. You have done all your preparations. You've packed. You've left the family in good shape at home. You have traveled by plane and train or bus or however you're traveling to get there. And you are standing at the edge of town, Saint-Jean behind you about to head over the mountain. What's going through your mind right now?
1: what the hell was I thinking?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we look I at mean, that mountain,
1: right? Right. And and there's this aspect of, I knew I wanted to do this as a solo journey. And then all of a sudden the realization that I'm alone mm. and I may be doing it with a lot of other pilgrims that are also on this route. I think there's more pilgrims on this route than on any of the others. And yet I'm starting out by myself. Yeah. And wrestling with with that reality as well.
0: Mm. Yes. There will be, I suspect, a very sharp contrast between the start of your Portuguese Camino and the start of this one. And a sharp contrast between you just left the family at home and now you're standing yes. here alone. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I imagine they're going to be much different emotions as I start out.
0: Yeah. And I think my number one tip for pilgrims, starting from St. Jean, but really starting from anywhere, is don't rush the start. Mm. So take whatever time you need for that reflection. Mm. And there's a beautiful church in the center of St. Jean. It's this gorgeous old stone church. And d- do you know what day of the week? June 1st is, I'm going to take a quick look here. June 1st is a Thursday. The reason I ask is I always like to share with people, if you happen to be there on a Sunday, mm. I would go into that church before you start walking, but I would do it any day of the week. Yeah. It's such a beautiful place and churches offer that great opportunity. You know this from your from your work experience to be still and to have that stillness respected. So no one's going to try to engage with you when you're sitting in a pew in a church, clearly there for reflection. And I love Sundays at that church because Mm -hmm. there's the services in Basque, in the Basque language. So I have no idea what they're saying. If you speak French or Spanish, you'll have no idea what they're saying. And what I find is that gives me access to my thoughts and my feelings at a deeper level when I can't understand what's going on around me. So anyway, I always recommend that time for reflection before you get walking.
1: I'll actually get to St. John on May 30th. Okay. But after that travel and also wanting that slow start, I'm spending a day there. Great. Uh, So the 31st, I will be just in that town just to, you know, I could have started that next day. But one thing because of the airplane travel, but also just wanting to get my soul and spirit ready for it. I'm spending that extra day just to process and let things go before I start.
0: Wonderful.
1: So thank you for that tip. I think I heard that on your podcast earlier and I thought, I think it's worth spending an extra day here before I start.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things you can do on that day is you can walk up to the top of the hill. There's a Mm -hmm. citadel. Have you heard of this? I have. Yeah.
1: And yes, I want to do that.
0: Yeah. And it's unbelievable at sunset because the sun will be setting the direction you'll be walking. Wow. And you can look up there and try to find where you're going to be going. It's not obvious. You have to look and wait a minute. Is it there? Is it there? And find where you'll be walking and then watch that sunset. So again, is that metaphor. That's awesome. We're setting the sun on what happened before today. And then the sun rises the next morning and off you go.
1: That's beautiful. I will certainly do that. Thank you for that tip.
0: So when you get started, Chad, are you going to be stopping at Refuge Orison or Albert's Bordeaux your first night? Or will you go all the way to Roncesvalles the first day?
1: I have read and listened to a lot of that. I don't think I would be satisfied stopping at Orison. So I am planning to go all the way to Roncesvalles that first day but I'm hoping I can stop and enjoy Orasan going through and use that as a good rest break.
0: Yeah.
1: But then I do plan to go on to Rantavias and I've got a reservation there for my first night.
0: Excellent. You know, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. And I always talk about Orasan because it offers this amazing opportunity to connect with pilgrims mm-hmm. and meet people. So many people say, oh, I met my Camino family there. Well, not everyone's looking for that and not everybody right. finds that but they do have this gorgeous terrace that overlooks the pyrenees and so it is the perfect break spot great and the first eight kilometers are the steepest of that whole section and so by the time you get there you want a chair
1: <laughs> you yes <want> to... <laughs> I'm, I'm sure i will want one
0: yeah and you want a restroom because there are no more restrooms until you get to Roncesvalles vias okay. and you want a beverage or you want something to eat or drink or you know something. So yeah, definitely. Now what I do want to say, see, because people suggesting at Orson and Borda because of those shared meals and that opportunity to connect. but let's make sure that everybody knows that in Ronce's there are three kitchens that serve dinners for pilgrims in large dining rooms. And you will connect with pilgrims there. Mm. You absolutely will. And all you have to do is talk to people and say, where well, you have a dinner? Let's go have dinner together. And the pilgrims will be at one of those three dining rooms.
1: That's great. Yeah. That's one thing I think that we experienced doing the uh, my family in doing the Portuguese together is sometimes when we sat down for a meal, since there were four of us, we didn't have other people join us unless we were intentional about gathering them in because they already saw us as a group. Yeah. And so we had to do that. But as being a solo traveler, I think I'll have to uh seek that out and make sure that I'm making those connections for those meals.
0: Yeah. And it won't be hard at the beginning. At the beginning it's so easy because everybody has that sense of excitement Mm -hmm. and jumping off and of wanting to connect. Everybody's like, oh, Wait, I don't want to walk out of here alone. Wait, wait. Huh? And then they get over the hill, and that walk is so big that mm-hmm. they want to talk about it. Yes. We want to talk about it. We want to share that experience with people. And there's no better place to do it than over over a meal.
1: That is so true. That mm-hmm. that validation that we all need and the sharing bread and wine together.
0: It, yes. It, it's the
1: type of communion.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And then I will say. Once you get going down the road, farther along past Pamplona, past Logroño, I have started to notice that people have come into their groups already and people know everybody. And when I have inserted myself into a town or a city, I have had a difficult time finding people to connect with. It takes an extra bit of effort, just an extra bit. Now, the other thing, everybody walks at their own pace. And they set their stages to match their pace. So for people who, like me, walk shorter stages, I might meet all these people and connect with all these people the first two, three, four days. I'm going to lose them all because Mm -hmm. they're going to walk longer stages. And I'll then have to put myself out there again and again and again. And so I think there's this idea that always you get your little family of four, like you see in the movie, the way, and you're together every step, but that's not what happens. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I realize that that's a fear that you'd Mm. connect with someone and then something would separate you. And yet I, I want to lay aside my fears for this and do what I know that I need to do. One thing that I've I've decided to do, just based on our last experiences, I'm going to take a rest day after getting to Pamplona. Yes. The reason being is after we did the first three days on the Portuguese, we took a rest day in Santarem, mm-hmm. And that rest day was significant for us in getting to see and envelop the Portuguese community oh. and that town. Yeah. And that just became so precious to us. As well as I think our bodies really appreciated that break. Mm -hmm. Now we had just done 90 kilometers in three days and it had been very hot. So, I mean, we were ready for a rest day. Wow. But I also think it allowed our body to catch up and strengthen for the next push. Yes. And so I think I don't necessarily need a rest day. I could press forward, but I want to take a rest day in Pamplona. And I know that might mean that I lose some people that i met Mm -hmm. the first three days. Yeah. And yet maybe they're going to take a break later down the road or I'll catch up to them or I'll meet someone else. And I'm just going to learn to trust the process.
0: It's so courageous. You know, you say it like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that.
1: I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. (laughs) I know it's going to be hard.
0: It really is courageous to step out in that way, especially... For someone who has such a strong family unit and such a strong relationship, you're accustomed to having your people with you and you're accustomed to not being on your own and being alone. For someone like me who travels a lot independently and alone, it's just normal, totally normal. I'm by myself. I'm eating a meal alone, totally normal. But for many people, that's not normal and that's intimidating. Right. Yeah, yeah, I admire you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's courageous, man. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, let's see. What do I want to ask you about next? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, as you're getting ready, have you come across any challenges or any frustrations in getting ready for your Camino?
1: I have. One thing was with my shoes.
0: Oh. I, re- yes. I
1: really like the shoes that that i walked in last year my wife and two daughters they walked in more of a tennis shoe style but they had lots of cushioning and hard soles which i tell you what all although jamie and i prepared for months walking long distances nothing prepared us for cobblestones there's just no way to prepare for the cobblestones that we encountered on that on that trail so you know normal running shoes would not last on On those cobblestones. Mm -hmm. I had more of a hiking shoe. I had uh, Oh Boys. I've got one ankle that I've had issues with through the years. So I knew I needed a little bit more support. And I really liked the pair that I walked with. The unfortunate thing is that Oh Boys just discontinued that style and they totally changed it. It was the sawtooth model. And I bought the new one and I don't like it.
0: (laughs) I wear the same shoe. I wear the same right? shoe and they messed it up. I just got they, a new pair. They
1: really Ugh. messed it up. Oh, okay, so yeah. So I, I have been training in the new one. I just uh-huh. don't like it as much. I went to REI and they do have, Ovoys has a new one that's coming out that's about five ounces lighter on each shoe mm-hmm. that may or may not make it before I leave. But as I was talking to this manager at the REI, they said that the Ovoys rep had just been in And they'd been discussing this. And she told me that the Sportsman Warehouse still had the old model. And I was able to go online and purchase my pair. And they just arrived when I was home from my gathering. So that was an issue that I was worried about. And I just got my new shoes.
0: Perfect. I'm not kidding you. I've had so much trouble with these new ones. I'm wearing them right now, trying to get used to them. Yes, Oh, I, why do they mess with perfection? I don't know.
1: I (laughs) love, I love the last
0: ones. (laughs) I think I've had three or four pairs of them over the years. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to take that tip though and go see if I can find a previous model.
1: Good. Yeah. At the sportsman's warehouse and I found it online and that worked perfectly and they were cheaper because they're a discontinued shoe.
0: Thank you for that tip.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. Although I leave in a week and a half. I'm not sure I can get a new oh, pair before okay. then, but uh, let me see what I can do. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very good. All right. So you've worked out your, your shoe issue. Thank yeah. goodness. Any other challenges or frustrations?
1: Yes. I woke up, I woke up one morning and so I'm also a photographer Yes. and I got a camera, a mirrorless camera that's light, but has all of the controls that I want. I figured out a way to rig it on my backpacking strap so that it was easily accessible. I used it a lot on my last Camino. And the mistake I made on my trip last year is that I brought an additional lens that I ended up never using, maybe twice, and it weighed almost a pound. And so that was something that, you know, I decided I'm going to leave home this year. I'm only gonna take the one lens. But I woke up a couple of weeks ago And with the idea that I was supposed to leave the camera home, I wrestled with that all day long.
0: Wait a minute. I've seen the photo, that photo of the lake you took at the gathering. I was there and I didn't get a good photo like that. So hang on. How are you going without a camera?
1: Yeah. So I've heard other people share that if you're grabbing your camera and you're wrestling with the controls to try to grab the right picture, that you're not staying in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I really want to stay in the moment. But as I process that, I'm a good enough photographer, and I know the settings on my camera. I can take a picture pretty easy, and that doesn't really get in my way. And I'd rather have that picture so that I can relive it back home than not have it. And so all day long, I basically poo-pooed those ideas of why I shouldn't take it. It happened to be our anniversary, and Jamie and I were out for dinner that night. So I told her this this cockamamie idea that I woke up with in the morning. And um, she just looked at me across the table and she said, Oh, you do have a lot of identity in your camera, don't you? No wonder you're supposed to leave at home. Okay. <laughs> and I just looked at her stunned across the table and I realized, Oh my gosh, I've, I'm have i leaving at home. Okay. And then she just gently said, You can get what you need to on your phone, can't mm-hmm.
0: you? Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know that I said anything for a couple minutes because it was hard to think of leaving that home.
0: Yeah. And yet
1: she's very true. It's easy for me in a crowd. When I have a big camera in my hand, it feels like I have a purpose and it's like another name badge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember years ago walking into a, a conference center in Hawaii um, with this big camera where a senator was speaking. And I walked right up to the front, took my pictures like I was part of the media. Turned around and walked out, and I went, Oh, wow, this camera really serves as a badge. Wow. People, you know, you've got a big lens and a big flash on it. They think you're important. And I realized while that may not be distracting to me to carry around a camera, it says something to all the other pilgrims who aren't carrying one. Oh, this guy must be a photographer. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those labels, it's one of those titles, it's one of those identities that I'm not looking to carry with me. And that's why it's got to stay home.
0: Wow. Okay. Now we're in the realm of conscious pilgrimage here.
1: Yeah. And can I mention one other thing?
0: Yeah, uh, you can say anything you like.
1: That picture that I took of the lake, I took it on my phone.
0: <laughs> okay. So, You're not taking your camera. <laughs> so
1: Jamie's right. I can get what I need to
0: on my phone.
1: <laughs> the camera's staying home.
0: I don't remember seeing you with a camera. So yeah, that makes perfect sense.
1: I carried it with me during the gathering. I really did. It was in my little sling bag the whole time. And I got it out a few times, but I did think, you know what? This is a good chance to see if I can really do this with my phone.
0: Practice. So, yeah, that's yeah, practice. It practice. It's all part of training for the Camino. Yes. And I think that's that actually reminds me of a good point that when we think about training for the Camino, we think about walking and getting Mm -hmm. in miles or kilometers, walking, walking, walking. But there are other ways that we can prepare and train ahead of time. Yes. And it starts with knowing what you wish to experience on the Camino, what you wish to practice on the Camino, what you wish to have access to, and start to look around and see if you can have access to that now.
1: Yes. That was one of the things that one of the four... I don't know, kind of pillars that I felt like I received from the first Camino, that one of them was being more intentional. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I tried to plan this trip is being intentional. So you're right. That is a big part of the planning and preparation towards going.
0: Yeah. We start now. Yeah. All right. I would like to know if you have any questions for me. I do. Okay. Let's have them.
1: One of the things that really helped us on the Portuguese is we'd ask a group of group of people who would have done it, if they had had an extra day to spend somewhere, where would they want to spend a rest day? So if you had three days on the Frances that you just were there for your taking, where would you want to spend a day?
0: Okay. So there are a couple ways I can answer that one. I can answer it with my favorite places, okay. but because of how I approach assisting first-time pilgrims, I would ask a question and okay. that is what type of rest do you need? Okay. okay. So if you need rest from the albergues, let's say you're staying in the albergues and you just need rest from the albergues, the shared environment, you need some privacy, you need some quiet, any place will do. Any place will do. And there's some wonderful small hotels on the Camino. They're called Hostal, H O S T A L. And a single you can get for anywhere from, say, 35 to 50 euros a night. Money well spent. There's some wonderful places along the front. Okay. If what you need is quiet away from the crowds, quiet away from the big cities, there are some wonderful small villages. Now, I always try to pick places with good food, especially uh, because I'm a vegetarian. Okay. And so one of my favorite places is Trabadello, which is before Osabrero. So it's between Ponferrada, which is a fairly big city and Osabrero, which is the big climb up the hill. And Travadello has a couple things. There's a really well-known albergue there called Casa Susie run by an Australian woman. So that's the community environment. But Ellie from Holland runs a place called El Puente Peregrino, the Pilgrim Bridge. And she has a, I think she calls it a gastro pub or something uh-huh. like that. And she serves amazing vegetarian food. And uh-huh. she also has three or four rooms upstairs that she lets out. And it's a little tricky to stay two nights there because of she, clo- she closes up in the morning and you're supposed to okay. be out and moving on. But it's a perfect place to get there, have a short day. Arrive when she opens and when check-in starts, which is probably about one or two, relax in the Dutch designed and appointed room, which means it's amazing and spotlessly clean and perfect. Relax, settle in, have an amazing dinner, and then there'll be pilgrims there. And they're always just a friendly bunch because they're happy to be at Ellie's place. And then you can sleep later and do another short day. Nice. That's another one. I am a city girl, but let me clarify that because I'm not a big, vast city girl like Los Angeles city girl. The cities along the Camino, every one of them has an historic center that has mostly pedestrian areas. So once you get in past the sprawl or the industrial areas to get into the center, you don't even know you're in a city often because you've got these pedestrian areas. You can walk to absolutely everything. There's no need, no metro. You're not going to get on the metro like okay. in Madrid and cross the city to find a restaurant. You're going to walk down these pedestrian streets. So I love Pamplona. Love, love, love. And then I love Logroño. Logroño okay. is the next sizable city that you come to and what I love about these two cities is they're known for their tapas and pinchos. In Pamplona, they're called pinchos because you're in the Basque country. Right. In Lagrono, they're called tapas. Now, they're not exactly the same, but they're for our untrained eyes, they're essentially the same thing. Right. And what happens is at seven in the evening, all of these beautiful tapas or pinchos are out and you go bar hopping. And so I've actually said if I were to write a book about my Camino experiences, it would be called bar hopping across northern Spain. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> anyway, so Lagroño has wonderful tapas. And then the next big city is Burgos. And I Burgos is gorgeous. And what Burgos has is the cathedral mm. that is magnificent. It's like a museum and worth taking an hour or so to wander around. Now a rest day is a good idea because then your feet don't hurt quite so much when I you're hurt. wandering around this big cathedral. There's also a museum in Burgos dedicated to the history of human evolution. And it is an extraordinary museum if you're interested in the topic. True story. I overestimated my interest in the topic and did not enjoy okay. the museum, but it's an extraordinary museum nonetheless. Okay. Okay. There's also the possibility for a side trip if you want to go to Atapuerca, where the oldest remains in Europe were found, okay. and they do day trips from Burgos. The next city is León, lovely, lovely city, and León has this exquisite cathedral as well, completely different personality mm-hmm. from the Burgos Cathedral. León Cathedral is all about stained glass.
1: I love stained
0: glass. Exquisite from the inside. You just have to go in and and be there. And what I love about the Leon Cathedral is there are a couple of cafes where you can sit and look at it. And so I'll do that for a whole darn afternoon.
1: That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, so that's a wonderful place. Leon has other churches, museums, cafes, just lots of stuff to wander around and do. Next up is Astorga. Astorga is home of the Palacio de Gaudi so it this is the bishop's palace designed by Antoni Gaudi I'm hoping I get that name uh-huh. right and it is exquisite it's just exquisite it looks like a little castle and the inside has an altar area with exquisite stained glass the ground floor has these arches that I, are indescribable and it's just worth going inside and taking your time and being with the building. And there also are exhibits and painting installations and things like that. So, really interesting. Astorga also has a chocolate museum, which sadly is not in English, but they do give free samples. So, you know,
1: that, that's worthwhile because chocolate isn't in English. So, that'll still work for me.
0: Exactly. Chocolate. <laughs> and then up the hill from Astorga, if you're ready for an upgrade, I would walk a short day and stay at the Stoneboat, which okay. is run by my friend Kim, who is she's an American, and she's got this amazing guest house. And Kim is a longtime pilgrim, and she gives you just the warmest welcome, the most beautiful time. She also has one of her colleagues, has a massage studio. And She does 90-minute sessions that people rave about, rave about. So that's the stone boat in Rabanal del Camino. Okay. And it's a sweet little village or a couple places to get a meal. And you're in the mountains. So it's got that nice mountain, small village feel as well. And then the next day, you would arrive at the Cross of Iron, the Ferro. Okay. which would be about an eight kilometer, two hour walk up the mountain to get to the cross. And then the other side of the mountain is Pont Farada. And Pont Farada has the Templar castle, which is beautiful, especially at nighttime under a full moon. Highly recommend seeing that. So these cities, what I love about these cities is they don't feel like cities. They feel like places that life is happening on a smaller scale, on a more intimate scale, and the food is excellent in the cities. So you would get off the pilgrim menu track while you're in the cities and possibly get a really good meal
1: as well. That sounds perfect. That was just what I was looking
0: for. (laughs) Now I have to give you one tip. When you're staying multiple nights in one place, if you're staying in albergues, the municipal and parochial albergues don't permit you to stay a second night unless you're injured or sick. And then you have to ask permission to stay. Some of the private albergues will do that too. So you always want to ask. Okay. So here's what I would do if I'm doing Burgos as a rest day. There's a, an albergue that's a little bit out of the center. It's called a mouse. A, a uh I, let's see. Uh, It's E-M-A-U-S. Emmaus is how we would say it in English. It is attached to a church, which also has a little chapel. And every night the priest does a mass for Mm -hmm. the local people. And sometimes he also does a pilgrim's blessing. Okay. And so you arrive, you don't leave. You just relax. And enjoy the experience of being in this church. And I think, if I remember correctly, it's one of those churches where there have been people praying continuously for decades, kind of thing. And yeah. so it's got this beautiful energy. It's run by volunteers. And then after the mass in the evening, you go right into a shared dinner provided by the volunteers and you don't leave. They wow. actually, ask that you stay and don't go out into the city. So you arrive, you have this wonderful experience. And then the next night you stay in Burgos. So then you take your, maybe upgrade to a hotel, take your backpack and drop it off at your hotel in the morning and enjoy the city. Now you can't do it the other way around. If you've already stayed at a hotel in Burgos, Emmaus will not allow you to stay. They're that kind of albergue. So you'd want to stay at Emmaus first. And that, that's just one of my favorite, favorite, favorite experiences to stay at that albergue and then enjoy the city of Burgos. And Burgos is also a place with great tapas, a great tapas culture in the evening. So you can get out and enjoy that and the buzz of the city. It's also a tourist destination because of that cathedral. So there's that hum and buzz all the time. Yeah. And you're just about to start the meseta, which is that part that you're like, whoa. Yeah. So you yeah. that in. Good. Okay. So those are, those are my, my choices for rest days, but again, it depends on what kind of rest
1: you're looking for. Thank you for that, Nancy. That was wonderful. Yeah. Another question.
0: Another question.
1: Yeah. SIM cards or international plan on my phone from here and not wrestling with changing SIM cards. Any suggestions or ideas?
0: That's a really good question. So the, the way to answer that is to first ask, what will you need to do? Will you need to text? Will you need to make phone calls? Will you need to do a blog or p- upload to Facebook or create documents? You know what? What will you need to do? Will you need to book accommodations while you're in Spain? So, all of the albergues and most of the bars will have Wi-Fi, and they pronounce it Wi-Fi. Which pilgrims just love to say, weehee. Okay. <laughs> so, the thing about Wi Fi along the Camino is you will be using it along with 30, 40, 50, 100 mm-hmm. other pilgrims in the Albergues. You cannot count on the fastest connection possible. So, if it's important to you to have those connections, you want to know can you do everything on Wi Fi? Can you do everything on a data plan? Because those are essentially the same. And then you want to look at what does my current provider offer. Is it enough? Is it enough gigs for while I'm over there for what I need? Is it affordable? Because some of the places will say it's ten dollars a day to have full access to your phone while you're over there, and that means three hundred dollars for a month. That doesn't right. seem very affordable to me. So I'd ask some questions, find out if that's really true, if that's really what they do, and then. If you think you might want a SIM card, you would want to go to a shop when you get there. So you can go to the shop in the airport in Madrid. You can go to a shop in Pamplona if you'll be pausing on your way up there. And you could also go to a shop in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. There's an orange store, the like the color orange. And they sell SIMs. It'll be a French number. Now, does that matter? I don't know. I might hesitate to call a French number from my Spanish phone unless I know I've got a good coverage plan. Okay. It's just, it could be a, you know, a, a hesitation for people. So much of what happens on the Camino with people communicating amongst pilgrims and between accommodation places and pilgrims is done on WhatsApp. Are you familiar with that?
1: I am. Yeah. We did use that last
0: time. Yeah. Perfect. So, so much happens on WhatsApp and you can make phone calls on WhatsApp if you have a data connection or Wi-Fi. So again, it's just thinking through what will I need to do and does my current phone do that well, or would I be better off getting a SIM card when I get there? Maybe have something that gets you there, right? So that you have access. I no longer am comfortable arriving anywhere. I mean- Home (laughs) for without cell phone access, I become very dependent. So when I land in Paris or Madrid or London, I want instant access to a data plan so I can look stuff up online, so I can look up things on Google Maps. So it's your comfort level. Thank you. Yeah. Now, a little bit more about the SIM cards. My preference is orange. I've been using them for 10 years and it's a screaming deal. It's something like what is it? Mm-hmm. 15 euros for 30 days of 800 minutes of talking in Spain or home to the U.S. And 50 gigs of data, 15 euros. That's great. It's crazy. And they'll let you know what their current plans are. Or you can go to orange.es and look up the plans ahead of time. Okay. And get a sense of of how much you need. 50 gigs of data is Fabulous, way more than I'll ever use on a 30 day time in Spain.
1: Great. Yeah. That leads me to my third question for you.
0: You talked about
1: the WhatsApp app. Are there any other Camino apps that you use when you were hiking?
0: Oh, yeah. So, okay. (laughs) Old school here. When I first walked the Camino in 2005, there were no apps, there were no smartphones. Smartphones? What's a smartphone? I don't even know what that is. There were no English language guidebooks in 2005. Oh, that's not true. I think John Briarly came out the year before, but I had no idea okay. that it existed. So, so here's what I did. I went to the hospitalero at the albergue in Pamplona, and I said, I'm going to Santiago. What do I do? And he said, come here. And he took me outside, and he pointed to a sign that had an arrow and a scallop shell and a figure of a hiker. And he okay. said, you see that? And I said, yeah. He goes, go that way. <laughs> That was it. Go that way. And I followed the arrows the whole way. So it can be done. And mm-hmm. it was a wonderful experience. And now I have an app. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've i only warmed up to one app. And unfortunately, the creator passed away last summer. You've probably heard of Camino Ninja.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. So I love that app. And I have read that some pilgrims in Germany are recreating it. Okay. And it will be coming out at some, I think it's going to be called Camino Camino. So look for that app. It wasn't out two weeks ago, but might be out now. So if that comes out, that is absolutely my favorite.
1: We used that on the Portuguese last year
0: Perfect. and
1: found it very helpful. Yes. And I did get a new phone between the last time and now, and so you can't find it, but I did, I'll admit I found a way to force load it onto my phone and I have it. I don't know, of course, since it's, they're not updating that anymore. Right. I don't know that it's going to be the most accurate. Yes. But I do have availability to it. And just because the nostalgia from using it last year, I've got it on my phone.
0: It's great. And my favorite thing is the distance. You pop in, I'm starting here and I want to go here. No, I want to go here. Now I want to go here. That's farther. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, the best point that you made there, the most important point is that it is not being updated. Right. And so things may not be accurate. So the other app that I have is called Wise Pilgrim. People speak very highly about Wise Pilgrim. So I would definitely consider that one. The other thing is to have a bookmark on your phone for Gronze, G-R-O-N-Z-E dot com. That is probably the most tied with Weiss Pilgrim for how updated and current and accurate it is. So that is the other one. And the website is set up so that you have to search a little bit to figure out where the additional information is hidden, their tabs. But once you find the tabs, you have access to all their good information.
1: That's wonderful. Thank yeah.
0: you. So those are the ones that I would I would recommend. And Gronte is all in Spanish. But it's easy enough to follow because mostly what you're looking for are place names. And place names you don't want translated anyway. Right. Yeah. And then if you're using Chrome, the Chrome browser on your phone, it will translate it to English for you. Perfect. Yeah. And But keep an eye on those place names if they get translated. You might might not know where you're going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I do love, I'm going to put in a plug for my favorite guidebook. Okay. For learning about the Camino, an actual guidebook, like an old-fashioned guidebook for travel, is the Moon Camino de Santiago guidebook, written by Bibi Barami, who is an anthropologist and a very well-traveled pilgrim on the route. And so she brings something that nobody else brings, such a depth of information.
1: I have been using that one and have been highlighting lots oh, of things. Oh, good. Yes, so thank you for that. Good. Yeah, of
0: course. I'll put that in the notes for the okay. for the show so people can find it, yeah. Yeah. So Chad, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners? Maybe your tips, because you're not a first-time pilgrim, you're first time on the Frances, but you have spent, a, what, a month learning how to be a pilgrim. Anything you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: I've got a few that, that were important to us one of the favorite things that our family had we all had you know buffs those little tube things of fabric that you can use in many different ways the girls could put their hair up in them we could use them as a headband you could use it you know to wipe the sweat off of your brow on a hot day but really our favorite thing to do was to get them soaking in water and putting them around our neck in the summer that was just such a nice cooling thing to do as well as it protects you from a sunburn. So I carry my buff with me wherever I go now. That was a, that was a wonderful thing.
0: That's a great tip. And do you have a Camino themed buff?
1: I do. And I think I have all of the Camino themed buffs. We, we bought them along the way. And when we got home, we got a new puppy, which is a long story, but her name is Camino. And wow. she wears a new buff around her neck every week.
0: <laughs> okay, you're you're one of us. Yes. <laughs> Yay. So I will mention that there's a pilgrim boutique shop in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port pied is just a couple doors down and across from the pilgrim's office. And they sell buffs there. I'm Wonderful.
1: That, that's yeah. great. The second tip, I was not real happy about this at the beginning, but before we left, Uh, My oldest daughter, who is a nurse, she made us all carry electrolytes with us. And we had a package of electrolytes for every day that we were walking. And we were walking in the middle of summer, and it was very hot. And that was one of the best things that we carried with us. Not only did it help us, but when we found other pilgrims along the way that were suffering from the heat and dehydration, we were able to give them away. And so that became important enough for me that while I do carry a water bladder, I've got a separate little bottle to mix up my electrolytes for the day. The one thing I did learn, I don't need to carry my whole supply with me, that there are places along the route where I can resupply. So like I am only planning to carry enough to get to Virgo. So I'm going to carry 15 of them with me and then I'll stop at a decathlon and get more for the next stretch.
0: Excellent. So let's make sure people know that decathlon is the large sporting goods chain in Spain. There is one in every major city or more likely on the outskirts of every major city accessible on foot or by bus. And they sell tons of great stuff. The other thing that reminds me of is the drink Aquarius. Did you come across Aquarius?
1: Yes. Yes. We did drink those. Yes.
0: That's got electrolytes in it as well.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't have known that that was like a Gatorade, except one of my younger daughter that was in the Navy had traveled and said, Hey, we need to be drinking these too.
0: Yeah. And I so think yeah. it's like Gatorade without all the sugar If is yeah. my understanding. I curiously have never had one in 17 years on the Camino. Okay. I'll put that on my to-do list. All right. Anything else?
1: Yeah. Just one last tip. Yeah. I checked with my bank before I left and the exchange rate on my debit card to use in the ATMs to get euros out was outrageously high. And someone told me that Charles Schwab had a checking account and I was able to set up a checking account with them that has no fees. And I was so grateful to have that card. I just transferred enough money for us for the trip into that account. And when we needed to pull out money, had a right conversion rate and there were no fees to do it. And if the, in fact, if their bank charged the fee, to make the transaction, Charles Schwab reimbursed that to me, so I was very grateful to have that card.
0: That's a great tip for those who are in the U.S. Because Charles Schwab is a U.S. company, and also Fidelity does something very similar. You might add it up, and it might be a hundred bucks, but that's 100 bucks. Yeah. For a hundred bucks for for a pilgrim. That's two to three days on the trail, so that's worth the effort to get that account set up ahead of time for sure
1: think of all the extra tapas I can get with that $100, right?
0: Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Right there with you, Chad. (laughs) That's that's a great tip. For those who aren't in the US, you might want to check with your bank and find out now what fees they charge. So, So what Chad just talked about, there's two different types of fees, just to clarify. One is called the foreign transaction fee, which is what they charge you for the privilege of converting your home currency into euros. And that's anywhere from one to 3%. And that fee gets divided up into two different entities in the banking world. What Charles Schwab is doing is they're choosing not to charge their customers that fee, which is wonderful. The other fee is what the ATM in Spain is going to charge you for the privilege of getting money from them. And Charles Schwab and Fidelity both reimburse those fees, which is a great gift. I'm with you on that one. That's a great one. And then you don't have to worry when it, the ATM machine says, this will cost you seven euros to get your money. And then right. Charles Schwab and Fidelity will reimburse you. It's great. Thanks for mentioning that. That's a great tip. You bet. Yeah. Anything else?
1: That's all I've got.
0: I appreciate you sharing those tips with us. And I know our listeners will be writing those down. Okay, cool.
1: I sure appreciate uh, your time and and interacting with me. I'll just make a comment about the podcast. When we got back from from our Camino, we had lots of friends because we did blog and and share pictures along the way. So we had lots of people that followed our journey. And several friends have said that they want to do this in the future. And um, I've been able to point them to your podcast and say, if you want to do this, here's where to get great information. So I have so appreciated your your podcast. It's helped, helped me get ready. doing a solo trip and it's helping my friends prepare. And uh, I just think what you're doing is marvelous.
0: Thank you, Chad. You, you are who I'm doing this for. You are the you and the you on the Camino de Santiago podcast. I really appreciate hearing that because, you know, I get to be face to face with only a small handful of my listeners when I do the the conversations and the interviews. And I'm just hoping that you are representative of who's listening because that's who I'm doing this for yeah so thank thank you you. thank you yeah so anyway so let's go ahead and wrap up then chad thanks again and i wish you a beautiful journey and i have a feeling i will be inviting you back on the podcast thank you yeah thanks so much all right